Hey everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. So, you know when you walk into a store and you see all these fancy jackets, ski jackets or rain jackets or whatever, and they have these shiny tags on them, and those tags say things like 20K waterproof or 15K breathability. Do you actually know what that stuff means or where those ratings even came from? Well, that is our topic here today, and our guest is Dr. Lauren Cooper. Dr. Cooper did her PhD in mechanical engineering at CU Boulder. She has taught at the Colorado School of Mines and CU Boulder and Cal Poly, and currently is a CU Boulder professor who lives here in the Gunnison Valley, teaching at Western Colorado University as part of the Western Colorado University and CU Boulder Partnership Program. And Dr. Cooper is an integral part of what we are doing at Blister Labs. So that is what we are looking at here today, the history and the origins of some of these ratings and standards. And Dr. Cooper and I talk about some of the things that we are working on to perhaps come up with some more real world applicable ratings and standards. Now, just before we get going here, we wanted to let you all know that the print edition of our new Winter Buyer's Guide has shipped. The books are on their way. So some of you ought to be receiving those books literally today. And then others of you, depending on where in the world you live, well, what I can say is they have been shipped out two days ago and the guide should be in your hands soon. Now, I should also say that the digital edition of our buyer's guide is available for purchase right now, and we do still have some copies of the print edition of the guide available, but we are now in a first come, first served situation. So if you want the print edition of the guide and you haven't ordered it yet, well, you probably should because it's a big, beautiful book filled with great information in it. It also looks great on a coffee table. Plus, who wouldn't want to have a book filled with photos of sexy Luke on your own coffee table, right? But anyway, when they're gone, they are gone. And so hurry up and get your order in. Or even better, become a Blister member. A print edition of the guide will be included. That is until we run out of this limited edition print run of the guide. Uh, So you got some options here. And yeah, let's just all go ahead and get sexy Luke on our coffee tables so that you can really prove to the world that you really know what's up. And now, on a much less ridiculous note, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Dr. Lauren Cooper. Here we go. Well, Lauren, welcome to Gear 30. And I am really looking forward to this conversation today where we get to kind of dive in and talk about technical apparel and ratings and standards and the like. And before we dive into it, I would love to have you give people a bit of your background when it comes to this whole discipline of engineering. Where do you want to start? 
Yeah. Well, thanks for the intro, Jonathan. And I'm super happy to be here with you today. So I started at Western Colorado University in January of this year. So I'm pretty new, but I have kind of an interesting position here. So I am a CU Boulder mechanical engineering professor, along with some other CU Boulder colleagues that are part of the Blister Labs team. But we live and teach full-time here in Gunnison at Western because uh, we are a part of this new engineering program. So it's a partnership program. So I have ties to both Western, doing a lot of great projects with Western. My home institution is CU Boulder, which is pretty awesome. So before I took this position, I was actually at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo in a mechanical engineering program there. And I spent four years learning how to teach design, which is an amazing opportunity. Cal Poly is a huge project-based learning school, amazing engineering program. So I, I really enjoyed my four years there and I am bringing that influence uh, here to our program here. And then prior to that, I, I taught at CU Boulder a little bit. Um, I taught at Colorado School of Mines for a few years. I taught their capstone senior design project. So again, design classes, that's always been my specialty, always been my, my favorite. And really what prepared me for those kind of unique teaching positions is having done my PhD in mechanical engineering with um, an interesting research emphasis in engineering education, and even more specifically, how to motivate students in project-based learning. So I've been I've been teaching for a while, studying teaching, studying design, doing design. So that I think has really prepared me for the cool things we're doing with Blister Labs. Pretty good history. Name dropped a few very good institutions in the world of engineering. We're very happy that we could, you know, get you to leave Cal Poly to come uh, come work with us in our little corner of the world. We have some really <laughs> impressive people on this yeah. whole Blister Labs thing, which if people have been listening to, well, one, our Blister Labs panel session that we had at our last Blister Summit, I mean, people would sort of already know what I just said. Um, but even just the past Gear 30 conversations we've had with Sean and Greg and Jenny, this is a very solid crew. We like our crew quite a bit. Me too. Yeah. Super excited. And we're all, I mean, we're all engineers, as you know, but we love the outdoors. Yes. We are so passionate about the outdoor industry. As much as we can, we are on the mountains, we are on our mm -hmm. bikes, we are part of the outdoor community through and through. It's quite a confluence of skill sets and passions and the rest that have kind of come together here. And I, I still just kind of think about it all the time. Like, this is quite good. Thing, things have come together well to, to really move the needle. So with that said, uh, you know, we have had Gear 30 conversations where we were talking about the testing that we're doing on the mountain bike side of things and on the ski equipment side of things. But let's go ahead and start talking about technical apparel. I think where I really want to start is, you know, I have said that I just think this is a really poorly understood world for, you know, even really passionate, experienced outdoor recreationalists, right? Um, we walk into a shop and we're looking for a new jacket or a new pair of ski pants or something. And we start seeing these tags and they say things like 20K or 15K. 
And I guess many people just assume the higher the number, the better. And so we should buy the better thing, which usually means the more expensive thing. But ultimately, what I think is that this is just pretty murky. And so I'd love to have you talk a little bit about this world of water resistance ratings and breathability ratings and the history and origins of these things. Yeah, so interesting question. And the history of these testing methods, specifically breathability and waterproofness, can be traced back to really before the 1930s. So we're talking decades ago. And it's really important to keep in mind that these tests that we still utilize for waterproofing and breathability weren't originally developed for outdoor gear. So they were developed for things like building materials, food packaging materials, packaging materials. And uh, so wait, can we pause on that? Mm -hmm. That's wild. Right? So these tests that were developed about a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and so think about like if we still had tests for cars, but that were developed back in the era of Model Ts or something, and we were still today, given all the advances in technology, I, and, and I mean, we'll get into a little bit how these things have or have not been maybe modified, mm -hmm. but this is the origin story. The thing that hangs on all the tags of all of these very expensive pieces of uh, technical apparel, the origins of these had more to do with trying to evaluate and standardize things like food packaging. Yeah, it is. It is puzzling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but okay. I just wanted to underscore no, that. So yeah, and I think back, like, back yeah, to the that's story. A good pause. Like, all right, let's let's think about whether. Like how much that makes sense, given our advances in technology. And I, I like the analogy to uh, automation and vehicle advances. Also, something that's interesting, like the true origins of these, these ratings um, are developed for tests for waterproofness and breathability that take place in scientific labs, not the outdoors. Not the outdoors. Not the outdoors. Yeah. So very controlled conditions, laboratory conditions, things that can be repeatable, etc. May not be uh, a one-to-one -one comparison of a gear's performance outdoors, which we can talk about later. Um, and then I'd say with that said, there are some ISO standards that are very specific to outdoor gear. But we're talking about breathability standards, how to test for breathability and how to test for waterproofness. And those do have some uh, some historical origins that might, might be a little archaic. Where should we go next? Just trying to outline, because this is, this is really one of the main things I wanted to do is give people this history and kind of the origin stories of where these tests and the ratings that we still see today where they come from. So what else should we know about kind of the ratings and standards? Yeah. So just a simple example, you're in a gear shop, you pick up a jacket, you look at the tag, it says 20K millimeters waterproof or something like that, 20,000 millimeters. So without diving into the details too much about that, just where that comes from, that is a standard for waterproof 
proofness, you can also just think of it as water resistance, um, that has been set, again, years ago, decades ago, by ISO, which, uh, which is short for International Standardization Organization that was founded in London and look formally founded in London in the late 1940s. So just briefly, what is ISO? It is a worldwide body of experts, technical experts that come together and come up with just like a way of doing something, a way of testing for waterproofness, a set way of testing for breathability. Again, in a laboratory condition where you can control a bunch of variables, their responsibility, however, is you think about a test for breathability or waterproofness, there are thousands of materials that need to be waterproof and breathability and like breathable. Um, so it isn't necessarily their responsibility to develop a real specific waterproofness standard for the technical gear that we have today. Another standardization organization you might see just real quickly is um, or hear about ASTM. That's the American Society for Testing and Materials. And they were they were also founded a long time ago in like the early 1960s. Those are the two big players in standardization world and testing standards. The two big players, ISO and ASTM. Mm -hmm. And were they basically up to the same thing? Like let's, and, and you know, this is all good, right? Years ago, uh, let's just start to create any kind of standardization, right? For some of these materials, like this is all good. Like, so my problem is not with the origin. Right. Of some of these things. My question is what are we doing today? And have we, uh, with all the advances in materials and the rest, are our ratings and standards, have those kind of kept pace with material advances, I suppose? And that's what we're going to continue to be investigating, I suppose. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where should we go from here? Well, you asked, uh, I mean, you asked about, I kind of heard you ha asking about have the standards been modified or, or maybe tweaked over the years? Um, so, Anyone can just do like a quick Google search and, and search for the names of the standards. You can't read the whole standard that you have to pay for them, whatever. Uh, but you can kind of see when standards have been um, retired and new standards have been replaced. So you can see like the, the ISO standard that we, we talked about um, for waterproofness was first published in 1981. So admittedly, that was the year I was born. <laughs> and it seems like a long time ago. And they're probably, I mean, you know better than I do. There weren't really high-end textiles back then. There weren't no. the advances that we have today in terms of water repellency and membranes and, and face fabric and all the things that um, give our gear the waterproof and breathability characteristics. So, so, so wait, just to slow you down, you're saying that the current standard today was set and established in 1981. Yes, and then I did find, now this all takes a little bit of digging, but I did find, mm -hmm. um, and this is the standard that we referenced, it was this new standard that came out in 2018. It's still the ISO standard, it still has the same name, and the main difference seems to be that the 2018 standard for waterproofness explicitly includes 
that this standard applies to all type of fabrics, whether or not they have been given a water resistant or water repellent finish. What, what does that mean? It, I think it just means that you're going to test it the same way, test for waterproofness the same, same way that you would have done in 1981, but you can apply your results to more advanced textiles. So in other words, there's not like a specific standard for a Gore-Tex jacket that has a DWR finisher. You'd still, you'd still use this same waterproof test. Okay. That's the update you found. That doesn't even frankly seem that relevant to me. I might be simple. No, no. The takeaway is, yes, they are retired. They are updated. The question I have is who does the updating? And given the the myriad of types of fabrics and uses of fabrics we have now, it's just a little, it's just curious that we we still reference this one um, very universal standard that is not, um, hasn't evolved to kind of answer maybe our needs for, for more deeply understanding our jackets and our ski pants, et cetera. Okay. So at this point, let's talk about what the ISO standard actually tells us. And then we can maybe get into like what it does not tell us, right? Yes. Okay. So buy your jacket or you look up the technical characteristics of your jacket, you see a number. Waterproofness. Mine's like 20,000 millimeters of water, whatever. That's a single data point that was measured in, in a laboratory with brand new, never been used gear. That's really important to keep in mind. It's not like your jacket is going to retain that 20,000 millimeters of waterproofness over time. And it, in fact, it won't. But that's what it tells us. So it's, an, it's a very quick apples to apples comparison. But what it doesn't tell us, that single number, uh, it doesn't tell us anything about performance over time. And in my opinion, this is the biggest missing piece. It also doesn't tell us how the presence of uh, features like pockets, zippers, pinch points um, might degrade performance and also like abrasion. So it's, it just doesn't tell us a lot about the, the durability. Not that the technical gear isn't durable and, and doesn't have really great advancements in pockets and zippers and seams, et cetera, but just that single number I'm, I'm talking about, that's not going to tell you anything about um, other characteristics of the jacket. It really is just a single data point taken in a laboratory with brand new. Gear. Unused, yeah, brand new, unused, and, unused. and it's specific to the fabric. And we all know, yes, we, all, it's yes. we all know it's like, yeah, cool. But my jacket does have 37 pockets on it and 14 zippers right. and the rest. And yet again, just to, I think everyone listening to this has had the experience, but you walk into the shop and it's like, well, this one's 15K, that one's 35K. I don't know what that actually means, but I guess the higher number is better and it's more expensive. So I'm probably going with that. But, totally. but the minute you actually get on the mountain in that piece and maybe you have a backpack um, that's a bit of, you know, a bit cut up and now that pack is starting to just like rub 
on a specific section of that jacket and you are starting to cause an abrasion there. Or you live on the East Coast and your backcountry skiing involves a bunch of bushwhacking and you're like Mm -hmm. scraping trees all the time. Whatever number originally was on that jacket is absolutely definitely not the number that is still relevant to the performance of your jacket after you've gone through your bushwhacking East Coast ski touring mission. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So this is where our conversations have kind of been like, yeah, we definitely can come up with some things that will be more real world applicable to people going outside uh, than this sort of single number when it comes to a water resistance rating. Right, exactly. So just something that we got interested in this summer. So we, we tested some jackets for waterproofness. Following the ISO standards, we had to design our own rig, uh, which is, you know, fun. Um, we then thought like, hmm, well, okay, so what we started seeing is that if there was any sort of imperfection in the jacket and we, we could we could see the pattern of the water seeping through um, that exactly matched the pattern of the scratch in the jacket. And we thought, oh, that's interesting. And these were scratches on these jackets that we we couldn't even see um, just by looking at them. But when we took a flashlight and shone them underneath the fabric, we saw the, the, the shape of the scratch. But it wasn't really perceptible to just looking at the jacket. And then we found that water would push through at those locations. So then we were like, hmm, let's see what happens when we abrade or scratch up the jackets in a really kind of controlled, systematic way and measure the waterproofness. And no surprise, the more that we abraded the jackets, the waterproofness declined pretty significantly. But the jackets that we abraded really heavily, I don't, I mean, I take some really good tumbles down (laughs) Crested View. Mm -hmm. I scratch up my jacket and my jackets don't look as abraded as you know, the most abraded jackets that we tested, but we did see a clear trend that, yeah, you scratch up your jacket, you abrade your jacket, those initial waterproof numbers aren't still going to hold true. Yeah. And I think that will be one of the things going forward that, you know, in tandem with our reviewers, we do start to try to identify like, okay, in a lab, this much abrasion of a piece is just actually not that characteristic of real exactly. world use. Exactly. So that's, and that's something we can totally yep, do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is a, a nice segue into just the question of like, tell us a little bit more about what you have been doing at Western um, or where you are kind of currently headed now. Just what what else are you doing? Yeah. So we had a really successful summer working with student interns through Blister Labs. We uh, just briefly what we accomplished in the the fabric arena, we took about seven or eight jackets that had been reviewed by Blister reviewers. We designed uh, a test for waterproofness following the ISO standard. We designed another really cool test for breathability following an ASTM standard. We took some data we looked at the data and um, where we're headed next. So we have some good numbers that line up with what you could find um, published about these uh, pieces of gear. Now we're really excited to to have the conversation 
with the blister reviewers and say, hey, what we found about this jacket through our tests for breathability and waterproofness is X, Y, and Z. We want to hear about how this jacket felt for you. How are your experiences? And really for for us or for me as an engineer, I, I do put a lot of faith in in science and math and quantitative data, but the validation for what we're doing, the tests that we're developing, really hinge on um, how much we are able to come to, you know, come to sort of congruence between blister reviewers, rating of the gear, and how that helps us make meaning of the numbers that we're finding in the lab. So that's our immediate next step. So we have this great set of data. Now let's have the conversation. Um, Maybe that means we'll redesign some of our tests. What I'd love to do is uh, do this with the brand new blister gear that will be reviewed, take some baseline measurements. Mm -hmm. We don't have to destroy the jackets. Our tests are um, like for waterproofness is non-destructive. Baseline data, blister reviewers are gonna wear those those jackets out on the mountain, do the reviews. I'd love to test them again. And see like, okay, after a, a one season of real world actual use, how much did they degrade? And what does that correspond to in terms of a laboratory test? Well, hey, I think we're going to leave it here for now. In this conversation, I again, I kind of mostly wanted to get people thinking about the history and the origins of these standards and really get people thinking about like, are these relevant to my actual life out in the mountains? So I think we have done that well. We are absolutely going to have another conversation coming in our future where I do want to talk a lot more about breathability. Here we were really focused on water resistance and waterproofness. Next conversation Let's go into breathability. Let's talk about the relationship of breathability to water resistance. Let's talk about membranes, right? We can get into Mm -hmm. that. We'll probably have you spell out like what it actually means, like this 20K millimeter number on a tag. Yeah, yeah. So you can spell that out. out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, we'll probably think of another fun Thing or two or three to uh, to add to that mix, but I, I like what we've done here for now. And yeah, you you good with this? I think just leaving listeners with a little bit of curiosity mm-hmm. about their jacket hmm. and, is great. And then I know soon we're going to be meeting kind of all of our reviewers and you, as you've talked about, like start going through our experience with a number of pieces. And then that's going to be a fun conversation. Like, Oh my gosh, that's going to be so interesting. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, on our next conversation, then we'll almost certainly be given a bit of a report on that, like how that went and see if there were surprises or um, (laughs) if we were just in complete alignment on on all of these different things. And so, um, man, we got a full next conversation. I think so. I think so. You just mapped it out. <laughs> Excited. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much. This is really cool stuff. Yeah, while I'm so excited about what we're doing on the mountain bike side of things and the ski equipment side of things, like this is just so relevant, arguably to even more people, right? Right. Right. More right. people looking to get outside. And um, mm-hmm. so I think we're going to really be able to help people understand 
what they should be spending money on, maybe where they can afford to be saving some money and Mm -hmm. just help people better understand what they actually need when they are heading out into the mountains. So um, I'm excited about all this. Yes, agreed. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Okay, well, hey, thanks. And uh, I'm going to be talking to you real soon. All right, bye. (laughs) All right, well, it is time now for our weekly What We're Celebrating segment. And I'm actually recording this on Friday morning. This podcast is going to be out in your ears probably just an hour or two from now, I suspect. But what I am about to go do right now is go hike up Gothic Mountain. It is a gorgeous day here in Crested Butte. I have a friend in town and I want to go show her one of my favorite views in the Gunnison Valley. So that is what I am off to do. Looking forward to that. And when I get back, I'm absolutely going to crack open a new image fanny pack. I'm not going to be wearing a fanny pack up Gothic, but I'm going to drink a fanny pack when I get back home to celebrate. So that then brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Lauren for the great conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from the entire team here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please have a phenomenal weekend, and we will talk to you again real soon.